We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches, presented by our good friends at Jackstack Barbecue, who hooked up Sandy Schneider of Liberty, Missouri last night because a friend of the show, Cheryl Jensen, actually nominated her for the quarterback stack tailgate package. I was able to drop that off to Sandy last night up in Liberty as she's been dealing with some health things recently. So Glad we were able to take care of her, and you too can pay it forward by nominating someone. We can explain that at the end of the show. But, you guys, we were all given a huge gift last night as the Chiefs thoroughly beat the Ravens in Baltimore 34-20 to to start 3-0 for the fourth straight season. I am former Chiefs reporter BJ Kissel, current director of athletics for Let It Fly Media, joined as always by six-year NFL veteran and former K-State All-American Nick Leckie. And then this week... Big guns come in as we welcome on special guest Therese Paler, uh, the senior writer at Yahoo Sports, also hosts the Therese Paler Show, 7 p.m. on 610 Sports here in Kansas City, also host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson. Therese, you are a busy, busy man. We've got two Super Bowl rings and a Hall of Fame voter here to break this down the most anticipated matchup of the 2020 regular season. First thing, guys, I want to get into about last night's game. This is the fire-kissed wings so hot right now. Top story, Therese, and that is, was Andy Reid flexing on the entire football-watching world last night as he kind of emptied the cupboards a little bit with some of that play calling? I know you were paying attention. Oh, he definitely emptied the cupboards a little bit, but the funny thing about him is you know there's like – pages and pages of more trick stuff to come <laughs> that he's you know but he he, he brought out some of the, the the really creative stuff and I feel like a couple times a year three times a year during the regular season we get Andy Reid games where it's just like you're not beating him it's just like hey he's been game planning for this for months he knows your tendencies and he's got Patrick Mahomes who covers up for any mistakes if there are any like you're, you're not gonna beat him um I was I look the play calling was outstanding. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and you know, the the great thing is that you just know he's got more up his sleeve. So it's gonna be fun to watch when the next Andy Reid game is. 
Yeah, I have never been so wrong, Nick, in that I was texting with friends of mine saying if this game was like week 14, I felt like you may get a little different. Andy Reid just being week three, I thought it was going to be kind of vanilla. I was like, he's not going to show a whole lot. He's more worried about the next one. And like I told enough friends that I was getting texts that were like, is the is the pass to Eric Fisher? Is that considered a basic play, BJ? Because you are completely off. Um, but so much fun to watch that. Nick is an offensive lineman. What were you thinking watching this Chiefs offense go up and put 34 points on a Ravens defense that had given up, what, 22 in the previous two games? Number one defense in the league going into last night. Well, it's an unreal bounce back for me from from the, the lack of protection and the um, the, the off-syncness of, of Patrick and the offensive line. And it just seemed like they did a lot of things early that they copied from the, the Chargers game where they, they came out of the get-go on their first drive and they were holding them in the double cadences, um, you know, trying to check out their defensive formation, uh, slowing their, their edge a little bit too. And even, even Andy Reid said uh, in his presser after the game where he was like, you know, this is showtime. You know, this is, you know, I throw a few wrinkles in for, for primetime games. And it just seemed like the first half he did massive flex. And second half, he was like, we're going to save it all. And then in the fourth quarter, when it's time for that big, nice, long drive, turned it on, got it done. Massive. The fact, and I know every team has injuries, and we can get into this later, but the fact that, you know, right before the game, Andrew Wiley can't play. So they've got Mike Remmers. They've got a guy that's got, what, 70 career starts at different spots along the offensive line who can step in. Those are little things that you don't necessarily think of. And that they basically were down two starting guards going up against the number one defense in that front in a group that likes to bring a lot of pressure, likes to make you communicate up front. And they held it down pretty good, Nick, and what you're talking about. Gave up 20 pressures to the defensive line at the defensive front of the Chargers a week ago. And then I I think only seven last night, at least according to the numbers that I saw this morning from Pro Football Focus. But, you know, Therese, I know the other thing, because he was your guy, I liked him too, was Patrick Queen. Uh, Patrick Queen's probably got a headache right now with the amount of stuff that Andy Reid was throwing on him, whether it's the pre-snap shifts and motions. And every time I see it, he's attacking an inside linebacker. There are certain games where you just can tell that part of the discussion that week was, let's throw some wrinkles at him right before the snap. Let's confuse him. Let's throw a lot of things at him. Get guys crossing his face with all the levels, concepts, the misdirection, the screen game. There's a lot put on Patrick Queen last night. And that's the one area from watching just the way they were calling the game that Andy Reid seemed like that was something that he was trying to do coming into this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they targeted him five times and he surrendered five catches. So, you know, a rookie like that, that's a really good way to like, you know, hey, here you go. This is the big time yeah. now. This is the yeah. show. And, you know, Patrick Queen, for all his physical gifts, he also hadn't played a whole lot of football. Like he was – he didn't even start the year last year as a starter. So um, he's actually going to be a really, really good player in this league. And he's flashed a little bit this year. But, you know, the, the, the past game concepts – you got to learn them. Like, you got to develop your eyes at linebacker in these things. There's only so much of it that he's seen. He will get better. But this is excellent teaching tape. And you're right, man. You know, Andy does such a good job with the pre-snap motions. Like, I feel like it's a cheat code. Like, regularly you see somebody moving on pre-snap. You're like, oh, okay, here we go, man. Oh, nope, no one's coming. Here comes zone. Guys crossing their face. Like, even um, the touchdown throw to Hill that Ty caught over the shoulder, the Willie yeah. Mayer catch. Um, there was a man in motion on the play, and I think – I can't remember who followed him, but I'm like, oh, here comes man, scissors concept, boom, touchdown. It's like he does it better than anybody getting the defense to declare what they're in. 
Yeah, you're right. And, they, no. and, and they'll have two calls. And Nick, you can speak to this because you'll have multiple calls in line of scrimmage and it's just a man or a zone call. They'll just get the read and they'll call it out, be a man beater or a zone beater. And that tells the guys what routes they're running. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you hear a kill, it's either, you know, kill them from a run to a run or pass to run or run to pass, you know, different forms. But also what Trez is saying, too, is you notice it where. Well, with that pre-snap motion, it's really a lot. Most teams don't really utilize it as well as Andy Reid and the enemy do because it, it gets the defense like so. Like early on, when they were just extremely in the first quarter, when they were like on their Super Bowl game plan, essentially, they ran like a triple screen, right? When it's like just unheard of, where it's like where you you, you fake a jet motion and then you look to your right to 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 fake it and then you're throwing left and it's like just the way that that they utilize that and it's like it gets the defense sort of like before the snap flowing which way and then once you see that motion come that way they're like oh it's coming this way they're like no it's not we're going this way and it's it's brilliant man it's it's using every every dimension of football in space and pre-snap motion it's just it's a sight to see it's pretty it's really pretty yeah it is very pretty. And the way that they kept using Tyree Kill in the backfield with the misdirection and the running one way, turn around, running the other direction. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know the rules on coverage and the responsibilities, but I can imagine that they were doing it so much that it had a lot to do with confusing those guys, like we talked about with Patrick Crean and the rest of those guys, the second level. But uh, staying on the Chiefs offense and just the coaching side, because we know Andy Reid showed off the little flex, getting it to Anthony Sherman for the touchdown, getting Eric Fisher, all those patent goes on Friday and out Therese. we've been out there watching the guys do that that is just a beautiful big man touchdown we're going to spend a second on this because uh, I don't think there's a player that I would have been happy for more happy for to watch catch a touchdown than Eric Fisher and a uh, little known fact the Chiefs have not lost the game that Eric Fisher has started since the 2018 AFC title game is something to be known about the uh, the former number one overall pick who's really ran the whole gamut of uh of fan bases and support in this city. And for him to get a touchdown in that moment on prime time against that team, it, it was a cool moment to see for big fish. You know, I was, uh, I, I love, I love the concept of it too. Cause like they'd been setting it up all night. Allegretti come in as a six lineman and like, I <laughs> like, I watch a lot of football. Like I review every game. And like one thing you regularly see multiple times a week, is a block like a, a receiver or a tight end blocking and they release and the guy's wide open. Like you see it all the time. It happens regularly. What you don't see is a doggone left tackle. <laughs> you don't see that part of it. It's like leave it to Andy Reid to to put a put a little spin on something you see so often. It was proof to me, and you guys have mentioned this, but it was proof that like Andy brought out the A game game plan this week. And he don't do that every week. But that tells me what he thinks of the Ravens, which is that clearly they're the second, they're the other premier team in this conference. And it also tells me how important he thinks getting the number one seed is. Of course, the NFL changed the rules this offseason. So now, one, a couple, like there are more teams that make the playoffs, but now only one team gets to buy. And the Chiefs want that doggone buy. They clearly want that in home foot advantage because this team, with their confidence and their overall talent and the way they're coached, they're going to have the mental edge on every team trying to come into this place in January. This is a hard place. Mahomes is hard to slay anyway, but let alone coming here with them having number one seed home for the event. Like that tells me that these guys know how good they are and that they want to get that number one seed. Cause if they do like beating them is a monumental task in January. 
I've got a full disclosure because before that, Nick, I want to ask you about Eric Bieniemy. But full disclosure, Therese, because of what you just said, I'm going to out myself, and that the same friends that I was talking to about it, the the discussion that we had was, do you think Andy Reid would rather have the number one seed in the bye week? but have to empty the cupboard of all the play calls that he would want to save for a big win like that, or have to play that game on the road, but not having shown a lot of plays. Like what do you think Andy Reid would rather play the game at home and have shown some of those plays or go on the road, but still know that there's a handful of plays in his back pocket. I'm not saying it's an easy slam dunk either way, but you know, it means something to him, but Nick, I want to ask you about Eric bien because I tweeted out last night. There were a lot of people that were talking about it. Lewis Riddick talked about it on the broad broadcast, um, which I don't think was uh, unintentional. And I think that there's a good reason for it. And that, Nick, you've played this game. You've been in those locker rooms. Andy Reid gets a lot of credit because he's the one who calls the plays. There was some confusion last night. Some national reporters saying that bien was calling the plays because he was relaying them in. And anyone who thinks that, I would urge you to go back and read Teresa's story from like five years ago where he literally broke down exactly how it works with the play calling. But as somebody who's been in that locker room and a NFL locker room, I wouldn't say the chiefs, but Nick for an offensive coordinator, like Eric B who might not be making the play calls, but he's involved with the game plan. He's involved throughout the week. He's setting up the game plan with coach right. Reed. Uh, how much credit should he get, even though he's not the one calling the plays and how much just by being in the room with Andy Reid, should NFL owners around the league say, this guy could set our culture, he can set up the process, he knows what he's doing because he's learning from one of the best to ever do it? Well, I, I think the main thing is he's got an influence on Andy Reid. And and he, as a former player of Andy Reid's too, he kind of knows how, how he works and, and you know what plays they've done in the past that have worked. And I think if, if you're the enemy too, you look at the situation, you're like, man, we have a once-in-a-lifetime talent with Patrick Mahomes. And to, to unhitch yourself from, from, from that vehicle with, with, you know, we have two quarterbacks who could be, you know, the next Belichick Brady, you know, you don't want to get off that train. You don't want, you want to ride that train for as long as you can. You want to uh, develop all this knowledge that you can take elsewhere. Cause I know he wants to be a head coach somewhere, but I yeah. think right now you got to put your plans on hold. And then CTC, CTC, CTC. I actually wanted to really chime in on this because like, okay, so we know that the NFL stands for not for long, but if you're another team, you have to understand a couple of things. Number one, Andy reading called plays in green Bay. So like, this doesn't matter. He's been in the room for years with Andy Reid, and specifically the last few years, he's been in there putting together the game plan. And he's had access to this guy's mind. Here's a little thing. So like, when they're putting together the game plan during the week, Andy is constantly sending little notes to Eric Bieniemy about plays he likes, things he's drawn up. And Eric says he's got like a stack of plays like this big from this guy. He's learning like firsthand right there by putting the game plan together with Andy, how he's done it. He's learned it. And by the way, Eric's called plays before in the past as well. I'm really passionate about this because he really deserves an opportunity. Um, and, And there's one more thing too here. If you're another team, not only has he had access to Andy Reid like that, you also want to capitalize on the cachet he has, okay? Mm. Like, he just won a Super Bowl. He's just coached Patrick Mahomes. Like, he will get men to listen to him by saying, that's not a championship effort. I know what that is. 
I know what a championship effort is. I just saw it. That's not it. And that works initially when you get to a place. And if you can command the respect of the men in the room, you'll be okay. So, I mean, Nick can speak to some of this stuff, but just, you know, to me, I think there's a unique opportunity here to kind of turn your program around if you go to the right program. For him, I just hope he goes to the right team because not every team's equipped to win from the top on down. That starts with ownership. And Nick, real, I want to throw Nick, I want to throw it to you real quick because Therese, I want to capitalize on two points that you just made. And one of which that he can get grown man to listen to, he will check a grown man and he doesn't care how good you are, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, he will not hesitate. And the the thing about it is those guys will respect him for it. And that's a really hard balance to find with guys that you don't spend a lot of, it's not like high school, college, you haven't known these guys for 15 years. These are guys that that just come in for a year and the way that he carries himself. And he's always the same guy. I always joke that whenever I talk to the enemy off to the side, he talked to me the same way that he would talk at the podium and he was answering the question with BJ at the end of the day, you got to control about, what you can control. And I was it's like, about making sure. <laughs> and I was living, I was like, I know. And I was getting fired up in the hallway outside of Ramsey's office. And anyway, like yeah. just completely away from media, just the two of us. And I was getting all hyped up about what he was saying, but he can check a grown man. And then he's always going to have Andy Reed to call and bounce things off of because Matt yeah. Nagy, Doug Peterson, and so much of it, Nick, I want you to speak to this. It's not about setting up a game plan on game day. It's about how are you organizing your coaches in April? How are you handling your installs during OTAs? What do you do during a bye week? How do you handle a Thursday to Monday? All of those things that we just ignore. How do you handle families in the locker room? How do you all the other crap that coaches have to deal with? He literally has a game plan on exactly how to do it and create zero distractions for your football team, which is why when you talk to national media and they talk about Andy Reid's system, it's not about his play calling. It's not about his scheming. That's Hall of Fame worthy on its own, but the way that he organizes and gets everyone in that organization to buy in and everything from sponsorship to the business side, there's a game plan for how to handle all of that. And that is music to the ears of owners who it's not just he can win a game, he can make a great play call, he can develop a quarterback, he can set the culture for an entire organization because he's seen it and he still has the resource in Andy Reid who's going to continue talking to him whenever he does get a head to coaching job because we can say he wants to stay in Kansas City. That's 10 times the paycheck, like eight times the paycheck. Let's not pretend that nobody in the right mind wouldn't take that opportunity knowing he could always come back and find any one of the third, a third of the NFL is going to be Andy Reid disciple and Andy Reid or Eric Bien and know all those guys. But what are the uh, thoughts on home field advantage versus, um, I mean, I know the buy is crucial, but home field advantage is not really home field advantage this year. It's going to be different depending on, you know, if they yeah. start allowing more people in. Yeah, I'm curious if by the end of the season, if home field advantage is a thing, because right now it's not the only home field advantage. The only thing that's weird is how bad is the sound guy or whatever broadcast hitting the button at the wrong time that just sends me anxiety because it's like, what what is going on? Like, why are people randomly cheering 30 seconds after a play? I'll say this, though. I think like in Kansas City, it matters. Like, I thought there was a difference between the atmosphere uh, overnight in Kansas City, like you could sense the fans in that game. That one felt more like a real game than last night's. Because, like, I thought Baltimore was really struggling to get their juice going. Like, I mm-hmm. thought they really missed the fans. So, like, sometimes the home field advantage doesn't matter. But if you're Kansas City and you got 17,000 people, there is a difference in these games and these other ones that don't have people. That's just my opinion. But, again, I'm watching all these games, and I really feel like I noticed – the, the, the difference between places with the fans and the ones without them. 
This is me, though. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, and I think, too, it's funny because, like, on watching the TV copy from last night and you see that, you know, we hear this, you know, this piped in crowd noise. But, you know, we still see Mahomes and shotgun doing an audible cadence. And I'm like, right. there's no sound down there, man. That's all. It, it's a weird false to me. It's like this, like it, it just feels plastic. Like it feels fake. And I just wish they'd stop it. And I wish, like, I've talked about this before. We're, we're adults. We can hear some curse words. We know what they're going to, you know, those are men on that field right there. And they're going to be swearing a bunch. And man, like, just let it happen. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you guys feel. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but like, I don't know if I like the sound because every time I hear it, I have that like, oh, that's cool. that's not real. Like, that's not real at all. And then the times where you see like the players celebrate, and then you hear the sound like five seconds, like it's delayed and off. You can just know that it, they're not. It's not that conduit. They're not working together. So anyway, I'm not a huge fan. I'd rather just cut it out completely because of the times it feels awkward when they do it. But anyway, let's move on to the second topic. The always consistent, always superb hickory. Pit beans from Jack Stack. We all love them. And uh, right now we're going to go to the uh, petty Patrick Mahomes game is what we might call this one because his, his mom claps back on – Randy claps back on Twitter saying his name is Patrick. Do not call him Pat. His father is named Pat. He is Patrick Mahomes. But petty Pat, between that and just the Patrick-Pat deal and then the counting on the hands – to the, the fourth one. I just, I can't get enough of this because it means he still has that edge. He still has that chip, that fire beneath it. And he's going to figure out the great ones always do, mm -hmm. uh, but it's always great to continue to see it because you know, that edge, that fire is still there to Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because like, I mean, Pat's recognized as a pretty good dude, you know, like, Patrick. yeah, Patrick. yeah, exactly. Patrick, Patrick is recognized as like a pretty good dude, but like, you know, there's like a there is an edge there that maybe people wouldn't like acknowledge is there or like recognize is there and like we're starting to see more of it. Yeah, he counted to ten against the Bears last year, counting to four because an NFL top one hundred. I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, that's exactly what you want. Like, I think most people are like, how's he not the number one player or at least number two? No, number four was like really disrespectful, and he's using that as motivation, which is good because. You know, you're pretty widely recognized as the best player in football now. It'd be easy to kind of rest in your laurels. And it's very, very clear at the level he's playing at right now uh, that he's not. And he's going for, like, legacy. This is a legacy play now. This is not just a money deal. This is not just, you know, you know, just just you're just not out there to play. He's he's, he's done it for, like, multiple, multiple greatest of all time rings, period. Yeah. Guy hasn't lost a game in September. 10 and 0, 32 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And last night against the number one defense, 411 yards of total offense, five total touchdowns. Five guys had at least four catches for 70 yards. And if that, those stats weren't ridiculous enough, guys, he now has 13 career games with three touchdown passes through three different people. In 34 career games, more than every third game in his career. Not yeah. only has he thrown three touchdowns, they've gone to three different guys. He's a unicorn. This is not normal. Yeah. It's unreal. Well, it's unreal. You look at like when you look at an offense, like I don't I don't believe like the term balance with like getting runs up to passes. I don't believe in that nonsense, but I believe in balance with, with your ball distribution, your wide receivers. And and they showed that one stat where like four guys had like 70 yards and multiple catches. And and then uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had what 130. I mean, talk about just just awesome ball distribution and a way to run your offense in a way that how the hell do you defend that? 
You know, who do you double team? You know, who's going to get hot? And all of them can get hot. It's wild. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I feel like Baltimore's scheme, I wasn't, like, I was asked, like, on the radio, like, how are they going to defend this guy? And I'm like, I think we're going to learn a lot here because, like, the things Baltimore does best are probably things you shouldn't do against Kansas City. Like, they like to they like to bring simulated pressures, which is fine, but they also like to run overload blitzes and they play man. And it's just like, you know, when Ty Hill is healthy, you probably don't want to play man. But also, if you're Baltimore, you're like, you know, we're the Ravens. Like, don't we kind of have to do what we do? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. they did what they did. <laughs> and they, they really, really struggle. I think, and I mean, I'm really interested in hearing what you guys think on this. Like, I think the only way you can play this team is like you can send four. That's fine. San Francisco in the Super Bowl sent four, but you better be able to get home with those four. Yeah, and you yeah. better be able to play coverage with seven. And you can't be blitzing a ton. Like you got to play the coverage, and you need the too high. You got to make these guys earn their way down the field. And yeah, when Mahomes is on. They're going to put up points. They're going to put up yards. That's fine. But, like, I'd almost rather take that and just get my ass handed to me with deep shots. Like, you can't do that. That's just deflating. Make these guys execute and then in the red zone try to tighten up with man or whatever. But you just can't be playing cover zero like they did on a few of these plays. Like, you, like don't. It's no, you can't run cover zero when you got three guys who run a 4-3 or better. I just, like, no, you can't do it. I'm very curious to hear, like – I was amazed at some of this, you know, cover zero. It's like, guys, you can't do that against them. Mahomes can put it out 60 yards off his back foot. Like, what did you guys think of their coverages and what Baltimore tried to do? You can't blitz them. Yeah. Well, no, I I think you have to. I think you have to, though. I think you have to mix up the pressures. And, you know, that's what they talked about with with Mahomes, uh, playing Mahomes, or Mahomes was saying about Baltimore. Baltimore will throw the kitchen sink at you, man. They'll have those, like, the the key to Baltimore is not getting in third and long, right? Because once you get in that third and long, then you got, like, it's like Pittsburgh, right? Old school where nobody's got their hand in the dirt, right? And you just kind of have to – you really can't do a pass protection off of that. And then the main thing is don't play, man. I mean, Mahomes has the nicest touch in the league. And, and Nick was so annoyed by that. Just completely throw it, take it out of the playbook. Well, what are you doing? The disgusting Nick's voice made that worth it. That was great. <laughs> Don't play, just, man. Some of those balls, man, he just threw it off. Just, just throw it up there casually. I'm like, oh, that's going out of bounds. And it's got like this, this like drop, right, where it just drops. And I'm like, what? I mean, coffee. just, yeah, I'm with Therese, where it's like, just play play too shallow, play too, too high. And, and you're right. Make it boring. Make it boring. You, you, just, no you, you cannot blitz him, Therese. And I'm consistent because I've told you this since we watched practice like three years ago. He's never going to get enough credit for the mental acuity he has to play the position. And I'll never forget talking to him that first year when Nagy was there and he was learning under Alex Smith that the only thing he cared about after a play during a rep at practice was did he set the protections correctly? Did he set up the play correctly? He didn't care about the throw, the physicality part. All he cared about was the blitzing and reading it correctly. And when you blitz him, then Baltimore came to the game blitzing 48% of the time, number one in the league. If you're going to send guys after him as good as he moves in the pocket when he's healthy and when he slides around, if he doesn't do that thing that we talked about last week, Nick, where he just starts backpedaling to give himself some time when he feels pressure rather than stepping up and letting him fly behind him. When he steps up and he reads it and you take a guy out of coverage, you will not have a prayer. The only chance you have to beat the Chiefs is to get pressure with four 
We saw it with the Chargers, whether it was on the offensive line, whether it was on Mahomes for stepping back too much and not creating those those angles for the rushers. Whatever it is, you have to get pressure with four because if you bring extra guys, no matter how good you are at it, he's going to pick you apart because they have too much talent. And we haven't even talked about they're slowly getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire involved in the passing game where there's going to be two or three games where he has over 100 yards receiving and the team's going to be like, I don't know what the hell to do. Because if you don't have the talent up front to get pressure with four, you, you have no shot. I would let that dude run on me. Like, I'm just, I would rather give up 140 yards to Clyde Edwards Elaire than yep. just let Patrick Mahomes get single man shots downfield. <laughs> like, I, I'm, with, I'm with Nick on this. Like, I just, here's the thing. Mahomes might just scramble away from your pressure if you bring five. He did that multiple times last night. I was like, oh, here's an extra man. He just slides up into the pocket. <laughs> ah, great. It's man coverage. I'll just run for a 10-yard game. Oh, run, yeah. Like, it's just like, it's not fair, man. You got to play that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the game plan, San Francisco's game plan in the Super Bowl was, like, really sound defensively. Mm-hmm. They just got beat because Mahomes is fake. I'd rather just get beat with Mahomes' fake that way than just set it up for the collection of 4-2 guys to run past you. Hey, the only defense, if you play cover two or that cover three that we saw with Gus Bradley and the Chargers run that have given the, the Chiefs some fits, you can't play cover one. Like, if you put two guys back there, give up 150 yards to Clyde and give up 12 catches for 90 oh, yards to Kelsey oh, across the middle great. and then just take your day. Because otherwise, McColl, Tyreek, somebody's going to get loose down the field. And you're going to give up a few big plays. Uh, let's let's move on to the next segment, and that is the uh, key observations. And there's nothing more key in my observations in my barbecue meal than cheesy corn bake because it's just freaking delicious, fellas. So let's go talk on the defensive side of the ball, and that is how they contain Lamar Jackson. I know you guys are going to have some takes. Nick, you and I talked about this last week. I talked about it on the pregame show with 101 The Fox. I feel like anytime the Chiefs and Ravens get together, Lamar Jackson has to complete five big high leverage, high pressure throws to win the football game for the Ravens to have a chance. Some of them were on him last night. Some of those passes weren't real accurate. His guys got their hands on a few of those balls and a few of those catches they've got to make if you're going to compete with the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs defense exposed exactly what the Ravens didn't want and that the margin of error for beating the Ravens is bigger than it is for the Chiefs because Lamar Jackson hasn't proven to be able to bring a team from behind by a couple of scores by throwing the ball around the yard. Yeah, I felt okay. like – go ahead, Nick. Oh, um, no, I was just going to say, I think that you got a shout-out to that defensive line, man. I thought they were great. Uh, um, mm. So good. And it starts with Frank. I think with Frank, he's one of the most disciplined defensive – edge defenders in the league like he plays the run uh he, he play he plays to contain quarterbacks and his mm-hmm. discipline man you could tell on on some of those plays where he wasn't on that edge that's the times that Lamar was able to, to get around and get those big runs but the times that Frank was in man Lamar didn't even try him and then in the fourth quarter him Mike Dana man talk about another guy chief fifth round draft pick and, and he's in that that third and seven that third and five plus pass rush team with K-Pass and Chris Jones. <laughs> Shout out Brett Beach. As a, as a Detroit guy, I'm thoroughly enjoying their trio of Michigan edge rushers. Um, <laughs> great. Um, no, but you know what? You're right, though. And, like, if we wanted to nitpick a little bit, we would just nitpick, you know, their zone read defense. Like, you know, sometimes Mahomes, sometimes Lamar escaped. 
but he's going to do that. Yeah. I'd rather have Lamar rush for 83 than let the, the Ravens run game get going with their running backs. Their running backs rushed for 75 yards yesterday. Y'all know how hard – I mean, you guys know. Y'all watch it. Y'all know how hard that is? The Ravens up front are very, very physical. Very physical. They like nothing more than line up and dumping you at the point. They climb. They punish. You know, they running back to 75 yards rushing. So credit to their gap discipline, their physicality. Um, I thought all things considered, there's not a whole lot you can criticize about the way the Chiefs defense played, man. Those guys really did a nice job with their run game principles and matching the physicality that's necessary to beat Baltimore. They they did a really nice job and that really portends well for the future. This is a two-sided team now. Like you can't yeah. just say, oh, their offense is amazing. No, like what they did defensively deserves a lot of credit. And one more thing, I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm very passionate about this game, football and this game last night. I thought Lamar's receivers let him down. I really yeah. do. I thought they let yeah. him down. Five drops. Mark Andrews can't have it. you got to help yeah. your guy here. Like, I thought I thought his receivers let him down last night. I really do. But All right, Lamar I'll give you that. He did he did miss some throw. He did miss a few throws, but he didn't get a lot of help there as well. And then nobody wants to be in that position where you're in an obvious passing situation, already being down against a team that you know can continue adding it up. But um, you've got to. Nick, did you have one more point you wanted to make about that? Well, I was just saying, man. I, I think you could see that frustration level where where there's they were missing. Like Lamar would miss some throws and the receivers didn't help him out by dropping some 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 balls in the end zone where, you know, a couple of those those end zone drops in the first half, you know, that changes the whole whole um, complexity and the whole everything of that game, too. So that was crucial, too. Yeah, we can't talk about, we can't talk about the Chiefs defense, not talk about Chris Jones, his couple of sacks. He's tied for the second in the NFL right now with three and a half. I remember from a couple of years ago when he went up against Ronnie Stanley, the the stud offensive lineman. That uh, those guys had word. There's a there's a competitive uh, some juices flowing between those two guys that are not afraid to bite their they're, they're not biting their tongues down on the field. And it was one of the biggest disappointments I had last night is that we didn't hear Chris uh, in the trenches talking quite as much as I thought we would without fans being in the stands. But guys, let's move on to the, the fourth segment. And that's the turning point. Uh, I want each of us to kind of pick the the moment in the game we felt like things kind of went downhill for the Ravens or things got a little comfortable. Um, for me, it was early in the game. It was the Nick Boyle got called for tripping on the Chiefs' second offensive or the Ravens' second offensive drive. It was six to three. The Chiefs had just gone down and scored. Kind of did that counter punch back to the Ravens. Ravens got the ball. Lamar escapes for like 14 yards. I think he ran off the left side. Um, and then Nick Boyle was called for tripping, which immediately sent them back. And then it was, you know, a complete completed pass for no gain a pass of like seven yards on second and 20. And then Chris Jones got a sack. And then after that, Chiefs went down and scored, made it the two possession game. And I felt like that was the margin of error. They were going trading back and forth. And as soon as the Chiefs got the lead and the Ravens made a mistake and had to punt the ball back, that was the margin of, they gave it up. They had the advantage, they gave it up. And then it was over after that. That's where I felt comfortable. Uh, Nick, we'll start with you. Where did you feel like the game really went in the Chiefs favor and you could feel comfortable if you were a Chiefs fan? Well, honestly, the, the the first half and how it ended. I mean, you take yeah. away that that kickoff return TD, right? And the Ravens what put up three points. So uh, I think yeah. I think that was kind of a turning point. But then they they kind of like it was a lull in the third third quarter. Like I don't know what they were doing if they were trying out some some low percentage plays or stuff like that. And and then once they did the statement drive in the fourth quarter, 
I was like, that's a wrap. That's, I mean, that's just big. Oh, oh, so we're, we're, it's a one possession game now. Okay, let's turn it back on. All right, hey guys, let's get it revved up and let, let's keep going. And they did that. And I'm like, that's, I mean, if you can, if you can, it's one thing to manufacture big plays, but it's one thing to manufacture a bunch of three, four yard plays to really grind out a defense and grind up that clock. Man, that's to me is a statement. That's the, 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 the biggest, tiniest flex of all time. Cause it's just saying, okay, yeah, we can, we can get explosive plays, but guess what, too? Four-minute four offense, you know, when it's time to run the ball out and, and let the hogs feast, they did it. And it was nice to see. And we haven't talked about that. Right, I thought that um, Andy Reid – okay, so it was it was the 49-yard touchdown throw from Mahomes to Harden. The score was 20-10, to 10, kind of late in the second quarter. Um, you know, Baltimore needs to stop, so they blitz five. And Mahomes stares down the barrel to blitz and barely steps into it for a 49-yard touchdown pass. That was a deflating throw for Baltimore. You kind of see them just be like, what are we supposed to do with this guy? Like, you kind of see it. Um, also, like, you know, I, it, it also proved that you can't have defensive guesses slash miscommunications on the back end there, right? Like, Whatever defense they were playing, that coverage was blown. And you can't do that against these guys. You actually do have to be disciplined. So I thought when that happened, Kansas City went up 27 to 10. And even though they missed a field goal at the end of the half, it didn't matter. I think I think the Ravens knew at that point they didn't have answers. And I think the Chiefs knew it too. Because I'm, I'm glad Nick brought up the uh, play calling by Andy in the, in the third quarter. He sometimes, I've watched this guy for seven years now, right? Sometimes... He knows – those are like – they're not garbage plays. Sometimes he sets up stuff for the future. Mm-hmm. Making people game plan in future weeks. Like he's setting up stuff for the future. If he feels like he's got like kind of like a control of a game a little bit, like they'll start creeping into that second level of plays. That might help later in the game, but also helps in future weeks too, um, which tells me a lot about how comfortable – they kind of felt they were with that game. And I mean, God, guys, even when the Ravens pulled to within seven, were you worried at all? Like, no, you knew they could go right down the field. Like, I just, it was complete control of this football game by Andy right. Eric B. and me and the Chiefs. Chiefs Twitter had like a meltdown when Darwin Thompson fumbled the ball. And I was just like, why are you guys worried? Like, I don't understand. I wasn't worried when we're down by two touchdowns. We're up by 10 points and everyone's freaking out. Like, Guys, we can score whenever we want. And Andy Reid, I'm in Therese's boat. I've given – Andy Reid just – I'm going to make an excuse or I can explain away every single thing that Andy Reid does. It'd be like he's just setting up that play for week 15 in the third quarter in a high-leverage situation. He's going to run a play, and he's just going to smirk on the sideline because he's like, that's why I ran that bad play back in week three against the Ravens for that exact reason. Well, and also to Therese's point too, I think on that, that pass to Hardman – was that the one where it looked like a duck? Like that ball was just was was a terrible ball, I think. And it almost looked like Mahomes almost shot put it to a, to a certain extent. Like it wasn't a tight spiral. And, and no. I see how that's a backbreaker because that, that's something he just got worked. Like he thought he was following him to the sidelines and he cut up. And Mahomes was like, oh, here we go. And threw it. And it was just – it almost looked like a shot put. But it was a weird-looking throw. And I, it, you're right. That was one where it was like, it's a Is it weirder than the throw to Anthony Sherman? Or he just like uh, inventing no, – I just thought he was going to throw it behind his back. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's about to be. It's just too much, man. It's, it's really outrageous. It's it getting really stupid. Is. I 
I want to figure out how many how many times Therese is going to like thesaurus.com to figure out for new adjectives to describe the Chiefs offense and what they're doing. I mean, my, my go-to word is outrageous. But yeah. like they get put to me naturally when I watch these plays, there's at least a few that I take notes on. I'm just like, God, how are you supposed to stop that? How are you it's like it it's 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 amazing. And I put it this way, right? Like if you're the fan, if you're a fan of like a downtrodden franchise, like the Chiefs dominance should really give you hope because if you could just find a great quarterback, just if you could just, if you could just find the best player of all time, the best coach of all time, and a GM and will give them all this talent, you too can have a dynasty. Well, not even a dynasty, but like you can be right. competitive and like win if you find a great quarterback, it don't even have to be generational. But the way this guy has changed this team's future, this, this fan base's propensity for negative reinforcement is actually like, yeah, I'm speaking to Lions fans. I'm speaking to Browns fans. Like if you find a quarterback <laughs> that is great, it changes it all because I've been here. Okay. Colts lost, Steelers lost, you name it. I've seen it. This, de- this decade, okay? Quarterback can change it, man. So if you're one of those teams, you got to find the right quarterback, and you can't be afraid to keep upgrading there. You got to find a way to do it, man. It, it, it is tanking for Trevor. It's, it's been it's been st- a stark reality for me growing up watching the Lions and their horrific football and the way they torture their fans, and then watching the Chiefs share a similar fate but not as bad, but similar, and just completely nuked that. It's just nuked. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 star- it's stunning to be a part of both those universes. It's wild. When it's wild how Andy Reid and company have normalized or just made routine gadget plays as well, too, where it's like you just throw them into your mix like it's no big deal. Like you do a reverse, you know, do the, the underhand to, to Sherman, uh, the, the tackle eligible. I mean, it just, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause it's one of those things where like, I think people talked about Kurt Warner when he, when he was in um, arena league, right? Like, well, why can't he do that in the NFL? And damn near sure enough, he did, you know, kind of brought that greatest show on turf uh, via from, from uh, arena league. And it's just, it, that's a cool thing to see is gadget plays being used just to mix it up and just effectively used. You know yeah. what? Let me, let me also just say this. I think, I think the real lesson is find the best head coach you can and pay him whatever it, it takes. It's like you want something that's actually replicable. It's that. Okay. Find Andy Reid or something similar. Pay him. Let him do everything and get out of the way. That's replicable. When Therese starts saying, okay, I know you're serious. That's <laughs> like your, that's your mannerism. But I think I would agree with you because I think, Saying that Patrick Mahomes did it all is selling Andy Reid a little short and that we saw the difference between 2012, two wins, and then he steps in and they win 11 games a year later. His biggest single-season turnaround. He got them to a certain point. Alex Smith got them to a certain point. And then now when you com- when you combine a once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-lifetime type talent with that coach, that's why everyone around the league is just like, uh-oh. And every coach was like, uh-oh, it worked. Like they got Mahomes and they were right. And then now it's just sit back and watch this. Hope everybody stays healthy. Um, and then the one stat that we hadn't talked about that I just want to mention because it'd feel weird not to. 10 of 12 on third down, the Chiefs went. A lot of those were the blitzes. A lot of those were manageable third downs because the Chiefs were good early. But even on that 
13 play drive that we talked about early in the game when it was six to three, they converted three third downs on that drive. Uh, even one of them going from a third and one to a third and five, no big deal without 15 yards to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh, who Nick and I have been talking about Therese on the show. Eventually they're going to start showing more of the passing game with him. And we're just going to get little doses of it here, but let's go to the final segment of this show. And that is the tailgate special story time. I asked each of you guys to have some sort of anecdotal story about this game, about the player, about Chiefs, Ravens, whatever it is uh, to share that maybe nobody's heard before. And this segment is sponsored by the tailgate special, the tailgate stack at Jack stack. Make sure to check that out. And if you want to pay it forward, if you've got somebody in your life, a friend, a coworker, somebody who's going through some stuff, whether it's health wise, personally, whatever it is, uh, let us know by sending a video. We're going to do it a little different this time. Record a video of yourself explaining why your friend or coworker, somebody you know, deserves this tailgate package. It's $50 worth of barbecue. It's eight spit pork spare ribs, some burn ends, some smoked sausage, and then sides of beans and corn. Let us know who that is. Record the video. Send it to us. We'll pick two winners this week. Uh, because we picked up some followers last night and we'll send that barbecue out for next week for the game as the Chiefs host the New England Patriots. So uh, subscribe, follow us and let us know who you want for some barbecue uh, as we got the tailgate special story time right now. Nick, I want to start with you. What story do you have for our lovely listeners today? So I'd say in celebrating the, uh, the big man TD with Eric Fisher, I just like to say to people, man, you, you don't think you know O-lineman until you don't have an O-lineman. And last year we saw the absence of Eric Fisher and, and how, how a good O-lineman means you don't hear anything about him, right? The, the best O-lineman, you don't hear nothing about him. And for Eric Fisher to, to, to have his own billboard on I-70 with Bud Light, we'd hit the beer smash. I thought that was cool. And then to, to follow it up this year with the big man TD and – a nice catch, by the way. A hell of an acrobatic catch uh, above the uh, above the helmet. It was a great catch. Um, I just thought it was awesome. And for Andy Reid to trust Mahomes and Fisher in a crucial – and that was a crucial touchdown. That was a very crucial touchdown to score. And, and to dial that up, I think that's big for, for O-line everywhere. Therese, it hasn't always worked out with some of those plays. We've seen Tyreek throw passes that didn't go well. We've seen Travis Kelsey throw passes that didn't go well. We've seen him try to throw passes to offensive linemen that have not gone well. Uh, and that one did, and it was great that it was fish. Therese, do you have a story for us? Yeah, when I talked to Lamar Jackson this summer, like, you know, there's always going to be questions about Mahomes and Lamar and all that. And I, I think in some ways this is kind of shaping up to be a Tom Brady Peyton Manning type of deal where like, you know, now one guy's just kind of like, all right, the, the the narrative is like, can you beat this guy? Right. That's the narrative. And eventually, you know, Manning beat Tom, but like I think we're kind of headed there. And I I do I know for a fact talking to Lamar, you know, he said that you know, I gotta get a Super Bowl. Like he he's pretty obsessed with like before we can even have that like discussion, like he's gotta win the Super Bowl. Like he knows that. He knows where we're at. So I'll mention that. And I'll also mention that Eric Fisher we come a long way since uh, was it 2015 where uh, we where he was hurt and like he was like a late scratch against Houston or something. And yep. you know, people were openly talking about bus talk and people were talking about him having the JJ Watt flu. That was like a report, that was like a story, like that was a real thing. And now he's catching touchdowns for the Super Bowl champions against the other best team in football. Um, and they basically haven't lost with him as a part of the starting lineup in two years. So 
speaks a lot to actually how Andy like handled that situation too. Cause like his career didn't have to work out, you know, like Andy handled that well with the coaching, you know, they, they brought that guy along. He handled that well, making sure that narrative never got out of control. That's again, where like management where like competency where like your lead guy, like that factors into everything. Cause I, I can tell you this, there are some places he would have gone where it wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. It's great that you said that. I have one follow up on what you said because I remember that game against Houston. Because what had happened is he had, I think it was his ankle. He had rolled earlier in the week and he took all the first team reps all week, was good. Went through pregame warmups, was good. After inactives were announced, then he went up and said, Hey, I don't think I can go today. And they had already made him active. I mean, it was so late in the process. He had taken all the reps that I think it was Ja Reed. I could be wrong. Somebody yeah. had to like step yeah. in and play in that game that didn't take any reps, wasn't ready. And then some of those reports came after the fact, but I do remember that. And I think you're exactly right, Therese, in that there's gonna be a cool story for Eric Fischer Fischer to tell one day of kind of his arc of his career and where it started and how it was. And in the middle of it, what he went through and then where he's at right now and just in such a better place. It's been awesome to see for a guy who really turned the corner and, and figured out what it took to be a professional and all those things that he did to make himself a great player. Uh, the story that I've got to share, and Therese, I know I've told you this story. It may have been a few years ago. I've shared the story privately a few times, but never publicly. It has to do with Marcus Peters um, because a lot of Chiefs fans talking about him last night uh, and getting beat on a couple of touchdowns where, um, you know, the one to Tyreek, like, He's right there. But uh, a lot of people have some hot takes about Marcus. Um, Therese, I will say I'll share two stories because one of them involves you that with the whole when Marcus was kneeling and the whole issue that I'll never forget being in that locker room and Marcus was in there and you were the only person that would walk up and that he would talk to um, at that time. I remember that it was a sensitive time and you were the only one. And I want to say guts enough. They're just anybody could could have gone up and tried to ask him a question, but nobody did. And you did. And he was willing to stand there and talk to you. And I remember watching it. Um, and I thought that that was special and showed a lot that, you know, fans and people listening might assume, but I'm telling you it's real and that that's where those relationships and, and treating people the right way kind of came to fruition. But the story I have for Marcus was uh, we were playing in San Diego a few years ago and it was before the game, the, the team buses get to the hotel and there's always a bottleneck normally, um, maybe not in the COVID situation, with less people traveling. There's always a bottleneck at the elevator and Therese knows what story I'm about to tell. So there's a bottleneck at the elevator and long story short, like business staff, front office staff, like we all wait for the players. They go first, the coaches and players get on the elevators, they go up, the rest of us just wait in line. Well, I'll never forget we were getting ready. It was the end of the players. And then the rest of the business staff were waiting. They were getting ready to get on the elevator. And a couple of the players had gotten like pinched out of the last elevator and were coming back. Cause one had opened and a couple of business staff, people started to walk to kind of like cut them off to get on the elevator in front of the players. And I just could kind of put my arm out to stop one of the guys who's in my department, just kind of stop them to let Marcus and the players get on. And Marcus and I made eye contact when that happened, never said anything. He just saw me kind of put my arm out, let the players get on the elevator. They go up and then we get on the rest of the elevators. Nothing else said. We go, we win the game post game. I walk into the locker room and it may have been, I won't name him because I don't want to put anybody on blast, but it was somebody with Kansas city star went up to talk to Marcus. And there was like a two or three people actually that were getting ready to talk to him post game. And he said, I'm not talking today. Like, nah. And it kind of said it in like an edgy way. I don't think he thought he played very well or whatever it was, but he's like, no. And then I looked at him and I just kind of said, okay. And started walking off and he reached out, grabbed my arm. He's like, no, I got you. 
He's like, what questions do you have? And I stood there, I sat there, asked him three or four questions. Wasn't a big deal. Wasn't a best interview of all time. But I will go back and tell you that the only reason I feel like Marcus went out of his way to ask for that, and Therese, you can attest that he doesn't do stuff like that, is that he? I showed him respect on a very simple level with the elevator. He recognized it and then took care of me after the fact. I didn't make a big deal of it. He didn't make a big deal of it. It was just one of those things we kind of saw. So those are the interactions I had with Marcus. Not that he was always a saint or that he wasn't a hothead at times or there weren't issues somewhere there been a lot of things that were reported but from my interactions from what i saw is those kinds of things where you just showed him respect he showed you respect you didn't have to be upfront about it um and i've never told that story publicly but those are one of the things when i think about my time with marcus it's stuff like that yeah you can also that's important before we go out but respect matters to marcus peters like oakland kid like that's just like a big thing like respect and you know if you show respect it'll be reciprocated if you don't you know it won't and, you know, Marcus has, you know, like he's, like you said, he has his stuff, right? We all know. But um, my, in my my experiences with Marcus were genuinely positive. And the one thing you also have to understand, too, like whatever issues he had, like a lot of them came down to just wanting to win. Right. Like he did not like the scheme and it was pretty clear. And I don't know. I mean, maybe he had a point. At that time, I don't know. Like, but the Chiefs still moved on. It's kind of hard to say it didn't work out for both sides. Like, Marcus just got a massive right. extension in Baltimore. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. But you know, one thing I will say, you know, he he's not going to be for everybody because he is so like genuinely him. Like, but he's going to be authentic to who he is, and I do think he's found a nice spot for him in Baltimore. And you know, that that is a place where he who he is like fits into that culture there. Yes. Yeah. So, Especially because they win. Like, as long as you win, then Marcus is good. But, like, yeah. when you're losing, then it's just going to be like, why are we losing? No, you, you it's you. Like, you know, <laughs> he's that, that, he cares about winning that much. So, um, I'm he glad says he, what he means. He means what he says and he doesn't hold back. Basically, right. He's very candid, I would say. <laughs> What's up, Nick? No, I was saying it's funny because Baltimore, man, it's crazy when you, you know, guys who, play with the Ravens, man, where it's almost like a college culture in the fact that you have a legitimate buy-in from the players. Like, there's a tradition that was set forth by by Ray Lewis uh, uh, to Ed Reed and everyone else, man, that, that there's a, 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 a sort of tradition where, where guys buy into that, man. It's almost like uh, like uh, opposite of the Patriots, where, you know, you go into Patriots and mum's the word, right? Well, I feel like with Baltimore, I feel like you can just kind of be yourself. Right. You can just kind of let, 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 let your, your flag fly, man. Uh, whatever you are, you know, come as you are and let's, let's play some football. And I, I like that's kind of like a, like you got to be a grown man to play at Baltimore, too. And I <laughs> hey, and let's not pretend that we didn't and let's not pretend that we haven't seen some of the edge. Some of the tweets that came out from the Chiefs players last night made me think that they saw the ESPN predictions. They saw some of the stuff that was being said. And that's why I like. Frank saying like we kicked their door in and we took all their stuff and we went back home like in a more you need some of that. I love it. I, need some of it. I can't get it. Just inject all of Frank and Tyron's tweets like directly into my veins after the game. I can't get enough of it. I love the edge. I love that they're not trying to be friends out on the field. 
Um, that is the style in which I loved watching football growing up. I love what they brought to this table. Uh, I love how the defense is, is responded to what the offense has been, but uh, we appreciate Therese. Thank you so much again, everybody for listening. Yahoo sports, senior NFL writer, Therese Paler, host of the Therese Paler show, 610 sports radio on Monday nights at 7 PM. And then also the Yahoo sports NFL podcast. He is a busy man and we appreciate you for joining us today. Today, Therese. Anytime, my man. Good All right, Nick. Absolutely. Nick, do you have any parting words as per normal? No, that was a fun one. Thanks again, Trez. Really appreciate you coming on, Matt. It was a fun having fun having you. Oh, it was great. Anytime, guys. Thanks everybody for listening outside the trenches. Again, follow, subscribe, and nominate somebody for some free barbecue. Tell us why they deserve it, and we can pay it forward. And you can help us do that as well with our friends at Jack Stack Barbecue. Until then, we will see you next week as the Chiefs take on the Patriots at 325 at Arrowhead Stadium. We'll see you next Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.